Hey, and welcome back to the Manchester United podcast. Sorry, the Glory Glory Man United podcast. I'm um, your host as always, Kyle Quinn. And joining me today is the Thunder from Down Under. It's Tom Simpson from the United podcast. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, very well, very well. The weekend hasn't been ruined. Um, as I say, no football or no Manchester United to ruin um, the weekend, which, which is good, which is a positive. It's a hot day here in Sydney, touched on 40 degrees, but um, enjoyable um, as ever. But... Um, well, there is no football, obviously, uh, as the headline would suggest. There is a little bit of news which um, came out of nowhere, and I think that is probably a good thing in terms of how the news did come out. Um, there was no leaks, there was no inclination, and um, it has, look, we don't know how the future will unfold, but potentially, um, hopefully, change the future of uh, Manchester United. Yeah, it is a winter morning here and a, a summer evening in, in Australia. It's very, very strange. It, it, it is hot. It is hot. <laughs> yeah, 40 degrees. I'm very jealous. I mean, it's it's nine o'clock in the morning here and it's still dark and it's it's wet and wintry outside. Um, so the sun's still be... out here. It's, it's eight o'clock at night here. The sun's still <laughs> burning down. Yeah, have you, I had to put the, the lights on here, here in the room because it's so dark outside. Um, yeah, the, the the conditions couldn't be more opposite where we are. Um, but anyway, let's get on to the news at hand, uh, and that's that Manchester United have appointed a new CEO, and that is Omar Barada, um, who was Citigroup's Chief Football Operations Officer, um, and he was tipped to become their new CEO uh, if and when, uh, as they call it, Tixi, whenever he... Uh, retired um so this seems like a huge coup for manchester united um, i think he's been working at city since since, uh, since 2011 um, i believe that he originally worked at barcelona as well um, so Ineos must have really sold him the project very well for him to to leave such a successful football operation to come to uh, an absolute mess at manchester united but he's obviously anticipating that he can turn it around um, and that Manchester United is going to turn around under Ineos. So how, what's your thoughts on the appointment then, Tom? Yeah, look, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, I, look, I know about him. It's a, it's a CEO I've wanted forever. It's not the first I heard of him was a few hours ago uh, when the news did break. So, But ultimately, uh, we have no idea about this guy. All we can go by is his results and look at the success of the clubs he was at um, at the time he was there and that scream success and if he's the person in charge or, or one of the people in charge he's obviously had a major input in that success so you can only take take positives from that um i'm sure when he comes through the door he will critique this decision will celebrate this decision etc um, that'll be the life of a manchester united fan but ultimately without any knowledge of him you can only sit here and say this is good news now we can dissect it a couple of weeks ago we'll say jean-claude blanc and, that, and that's good because any also bringing him in then there was news coming out, well, hang on, it's still the Manchester United CEO. The Glazers still own the majority of the club. We know their financial ambitions. Okay, they're going to sort of have a real say in this. And then you're sort of you're leaning towards, oh, oh, no, it's going to be a financial appointment, maybe another banker sort of thing. And you start to get a little bit sort of concerned there. Then ultimately it swings back in the favour. And the statement from Manchester United is fascinating in regards they mention it with a focus on football <laughs> compared to what our, our, our previous CEOs have had and where their focus has been. But how this news has come out and where... Just at points to in regards to the differences between Richard Arnold and Ed Woodward, and now you're looking at someone who's run a football operation at Barcelona and Manchester City. This screams like it's an Ineos decision, and they've had the influence um, in getting this over the line. 
look, we can debate to the cows come home. Yeah, so Jim in, are you Qatar in, Qatar out? So Jim out, all these discussions. Ultimately, I see this as only as a step in the right direction. Now, how far in the right direction that goes, time will tell. Who knows? But ultimately, we're in a far better position today than we were yesterday. And look, we're simple creatures. In my opinion, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, I suppose the CEO isn't really a, a sexy role. Um, we're probably more interested in who the director of football is going to be, who the head of recruitment is going to be, and the long-term who the manager is going to be. Um, but this is obviously a very important appointment. And you alluded to the club's statement there that said, the club is determined to put football and performance on the pitch back at the heart of everything we do. Omar's appointment represents the first step in this journey. It almost seems like a dig from any of us other fellow that, shareholders there. That's what I was going to ask you, and I was going to have a discussion later with Larry on our show, and I was just so it's two different departments. There's Manchester United, that is sort of the global business, the, the financial and the commercial side of things, and then there's the football department, and is the football department really only 25%, and that's in the hospital. Let's, let's split it in, in half. Well, this whole business, a commercial side and a sporting side. And we're looking at, well... In terms of the club as a whole, you can understand the Glazers making this decision, and rightfully so. They own the club, and it's more than just a football club on the pitch. There are many sort of factors to it. So you can understand why the majority shareholder wants a huge say in who the CEO is, of course. Whether we like it or not, I'm sure we don't like it, but you can understand that that's sort of clear as day. But this looks like it's come from Ineos. And I just think in regards to that statement, I just, look, the Glazers are going to have to sign off on this, and I just think it is a... But they're, they're signing off on it, so I don't understand how they have because it is a, in my opinion, a clear dig at themselves. Are they sort of? I wouldn't. Say, they're not in a position where they've got to throw themselves under the bus. And look, it's not a, sort of, it's not a dagger to the heart or anything. But I just, yeah, you're right in regards to the statement. It is a real dig at the Glazers, and I'm just unaware of motives and how that's come about. Have they signed off on it? Is it Ineos really digging the boot in? Is it sort of? Uh, it, look, it's good to see. I'm very happy. But it just, as I say, it just sort of highlights our unfortunate problems we have suffered over the last decade. Yeah, perhaps the Glazers have just completely checked out now when it comes to the football operation and are just simply there to to make as much money as possible. Well, that's always... also always also I don't want to say good PR for the Glazers, but they're not going to get Manchester United fans on side. Far from that, that, that is never going to happen. I'm not alluding to that being a, a motive, but kind of. It's, it's not a step in the right direction because the Glazers can't go in the right direction. But if they kind of say, okay, we're going in a new direction, we'll hold up, we've made mistakes in the past, well, we're going to make a football decision now, well, we, it's not going to turn Manchester United fans in favour of the Glazers. It's, as I say, it's better than yesterday. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, so from Joe Glazer and Richard Arnold to Jean-Claude Blanc and Omar Barada, um, I'd call that a good start. Um, but... Um, you mentioned John Claude Blanc there. Um, originally, we thought that he was going to be the new CEO, but what has happened is that they've decided to make him uh, one of Ineos's two directors instead, because that gives him a permanent role at the club and gives him more influence. Um, whereas CEO can be sacked by the board, so he wouldn't be very stable in his role. Um, so I can see um, the reasoning behind all that. Um, so they've they brought in. Um, uh, a football director from Manchester City, um, which is a complete surprise to everyone. The best, one of the, the the best things about this is that they kept it completely quiet from the media. It just sprung out of nowhere. Um, David Ornstein is always the first guy on it, and then within an hour, United announced it uh, officially. 
Um, so this is the the first uh, of many bricks to be built in in the this new Ineos project at Manchester United, which is hopefully going to turn around the club's fortunes and prioritising football. Um, is obviously the first step because um, it's hard to believe isn't it that a football club hasn't prioritized football for for well over a decade you could probably argue we haven't prioritized football since 2005 but certainly since 2013 um, and uh, once we do that it, it, it gives us a chance of actually being uh, successful but let's see um, certainly Ineos it's not been plain sailing for them at Nice since they took over in 2019. But this season they've been doing a lot better. They're they're kind of they're in a title recently, go. Um, they're I think second in the table. Um, so hopefully it doesn't take them that long to get it right at United. But if it does, then um, I'm I'm willing to be patient. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about um. Now we're going to be replacing. John Murta, he might stay in a different capacity, um, but it seems almost certain that United are going to bring in um, a new uh, director of football, um, and we know that Ineos want Dan Ashworth. Um, well, if they can get uh, an executive from Man City, they can get the director of football from Newcastle. Um, huh? And obviously, uh, Paul Mitchell has been linked with the role of head of recruitment as well. Um, if they get all three of those in, that's going to be enormous. Um, but the issue is, will the, will these new owners stick with our Ten Hag? Um, I'm not 100% convinced they will. Now, we know with every football club in the past, can you name an example of a, a club that's kept the, the incumbent manager long term? Um, there has been examples where they have given them a wee bit of time. Um, Mark Hughes maybe at Mount City is an example of that, but eventually they get rid of them and bring in their own man. So, do you see Ten Hag being here in August, Tom? Look, it's tough. I think it's one of the ones, rightly or wrongly, um, it will almost be on trial now um, until the end of the season. See what he does now. If what's going to define success is it FA Cup or bust, or is it a top four finish, or is it good football? Um, that's for the higher-ups to determine. So I'm not sure what um, is a pass mark for Eric Ten Hag in this next couple of months, but I do believe he will be a little bit on show. And, look, I, I side on, on the fence of an Eric Ten Hag fan. I would like to see him given more time and sort of given a role in this new football department. Um, if someone disagrees with that, well within their right to and, and they have evidence sort of to point to. But I do, I do like Eric Ten Hag, and I, I would say this with, with a lack of knowledge of European managers, but I say, okay, sack him. Yeah, name a manager out there. And I'm sure someone could name a manager for me. I don't know. Like Now, under a new structure, I'm sure a lesser manager could come in and maybe look better than what our previous managers have looked like under Ed Woodward, Richard Arnold, and the Glazers, etc. So hopefully, regardless of the manager, the new football department will make it a far smoother transition for both players and manager, etc. Long story short, in regards to your question, do I expect him to be here in August? I think it's almost flip of a coin. I would like to see, and I do have faith in him. Um, and when the players do come back, of a not a sort of not a finish that is where we need to be, but a better finish than where we're expecting to finish at the moment. I, I do think it'll be a decent enough finish to the season. I do sort of blind optimism or not. I have a little bit of faith in our FA Cup run. Uh, Mary Ten Hag obviously made the final last season, so I do have a, a bit of faith that it won't be a disastrous end of the season. Um, I think we have, we've been through our bad spell. I do believe it will turn around a little bit, maybe not to the levels we want it to be. And then in August, um, 
look, if the new football department do have a manager out there who they believe is the future and they believe that they can work with, as a fan of Eric Ten Hag, I say, okay, sack him. At the moment, I probably don't agree with it, but if that is the depart- if that is the direction you want to go, um, that is why they're going to be paid the, the big bucks and they've got more knowledge of it than me. So um, I would lean to th- that he will be, but um, look, a couple more losses and a, a defeat in the fifth round or quarterfinal of the FA Cup and we finish sixth or seventh, um, a lot of the evidence and weight will point to a, an exit and a new manager. Um, just where I sit at the moment, Ineos might have that new manager in the uh, back pocket. I just don't know who that is at the moment. So until I'm aware of who I want as a new manager, I'm siding with um, the Dutchman. Yeah, at the moment, the FA Cup draw is very favourable, but I would be concerned if, say, United got a quarterfinal draw against Manchester City or Liverpool. Oh. Um, we'd be done, I think. Um, now, yes, there has been issues above the manager. The structure has been appalling. Um, and he's been left to do most of the transfer business himself and uh, not all of it of course and um, but it's very easy to see that a number of the signings in the last two summer windows have obviously either played in the Eredivisie or played under Ten Hag uh, in the past um, and that is not a great way to run a modern football club um, but we have to look I mean obviously it's many issues with you know Ronaldo and Sancho um, so many injuries as well. He's been been unlucky with injuries. There's no doubt about that. But there are there are things that do concern me. And just looking at how United are just not compact, and the Tottenham Hotspur game was an example of that. Even though we didn't lose that game, we were fortunate not to. Uh, we were playing against a Spurs team missing their three best attacking players, and they still bit us off the pitch. And um, we only had two shots on target at home. Um, but it's how United the front three. Are pressing up and um, the back four sit 60 yards behind they're sitting deep and then the midfield is having to cover uh three men are covering 60 yards of space so one pass is all it's all needed by the opponents to take our midfield out of the game um i don't understand that setup i also don't understand how we're so bad at defending set pieces now we've all been blaming eric ramsey but it turns out that uh the MEN had written an article back in April last year that he wasn't solely in charge of set pieces anymore. Ten Hag had taken a more hands-on approach uh, and that he had uh, taken in a, a set piece um, analyst to help him with that. Um, but United don't score from set pieces and they can't defend from set pieces. Um, it's, it's, it's alarming. Um, so these are reasons why I am you know, concerned about our Ten Hag's future. Uh, if he doesn't sort these things out, then we uh, I just don't see him being here beyond the season. Uh, how do you see it, Tom? No, no, look, uh, 100%. Everyone, sort of, if someone is side on the fence of a new manager, uh, as the, the things you point to, 100% correct. And um, there is pressure on him, and he does have questions to answer and room room for improvement. And, um, yeah, if he is to lose his job, that that is um, the nature of the beast at Manchester United and football management at, at the highest level. Um, there is no doubt about that. In regards to set pieces, I agree. But I think every club has that debate about set pieces. I've discussed with every club around the world. We never score from set pieces. God, my, oh my God, we look shaky defending them. That is it. Now we're feeling that really sort of very intensely at the moment. But set pieces, I, I, look, ultimately, it does fall on the manager's doorstep. But 
It's one of those set piece managers at the assistant coach who knows in regards to, again, it's a huge concern, which you correctly highlight in regards to the midfield. Yeah, we're pressing high up and then the, mid, then the defense is back on the adding yard box. There's this big gap. Where I sit on that is very interesting because, look, ultimately that does fall on the manager in regards to the tactical setup. However, it was identical last year, really, except when the ball went into midfield, we kept it. Christian Eriksen kept the ball, Casemiro kept the ball, Bruno Fernando was a little bit more disciplined than what we have. Our midfield just played better last year. Now we're looking at it this year, our issues with the midfields, not so much the individuals, it's more so the balance of the midfield. But I remember last season, Anthony and Diego Delo, who had quite good seasons last season, maybe not to Gary Neville and David Beckham standards, but considering where we were last year, solid enough sort of six, seven out of 10 performances from Anthony and Diego Delo. There were 60 metres between those guys last season. But it wasn't highlighted because we weren't losing as many games. The issues were still there. So that is something you can obviously point to Eric Ten Hag, but it was you could look at a trophy and two finals and a Champions League place finish. You could look at somewhat, I don't want to say success, but a decent enough season. Um, same issues happening now, but with losses. And now where the, those issues are highlighted, and look rightly so, because it's not, not good enough. But I'm a very simple man in regards to the way I view my football, and the concerns around Eric Ten Hag's tactical setup are valid 100%. You just look at it how exposed we are in midfield. Surely there is a fix to that, regardless of if you like Scott McTominay or you like Christian Eriksen or you think Mason Mount is number 10 or box to box or whatever your feelings are. There is an issue with that balance, and that ultimately falls on the manager, um, whether he has injuries or not. I'm very simple, though, in the way I view it. The individuals just need to play better. Get the ball at your feet, control it, pass, move. At the moment, I've seen Bruno Fernandes, who sometimes shows world-class ability. Sometimes I've seen him control the ball this season, bouncing off his knee and going out for a throw-in. I'm just thinking, that's not balance. That's not tactical setup. That's not the manager. Players just need to do their job better. Look, you and I are big fans of Roy Keane. Do your job. And I just think well, we're looking at all these factors as to why people aren't doing it. Is it... Remember, how, how, how many years did we spend trying to unlock Paul Pogba? There was a reason for Paul Pogba's bad, bad performances. It was because he didn't have this player next to him or he didn't have this speed to the right of him. No, players need, need to do their job. And I just felt whether midfield or up front or at the back, our players this year, just individually, just the basics, running, controlling the ball, passing, moving. And I just feel if one person doesn't do that, that affects the next person and it's a sort of a domino effect. And um, there are 100% valid questions pointed to where Eric Ten Hag in regards to the balance of that midfield can't hide from that but I also think the players need to just play better and I think if they start controlling the ball and passing the ball with a little bit more zip and moving with a little bit more intent things will start to fall into place now will it fall into place good enough for Manchester United to take the next step I'm not sure but um yeah so, so I think blame lies from the Glazers the CEO to Eric Ten Hag to the players to the people who set out the cones so, the set-piece coach, etc. I think blame is um, evenly shared around, and um, this is where you do have to place trust in a Berardi, in a Sir Jim Ratcliffe, in a Jean-Claude Blanc to make the decisions, to fix it, and um, to move in the right direction. Yeah, the blame is certainly uh, collective. Um, the, the players and the manager both have to take responsibility. Yeah, I know what you're talking about uh, regards to Bruno, yeah, some of his touches have just been awful. Yeah. Um, a lot of the passing this season from players, um, just some very basic passing, just getting it wrong. And another, another person who's guilty of that is the goalkeeper. And we thought he was going to be this massive upgrade on De Gea when it came to his distribution. And he has been terrible. And he has been awful for Cameroon in the AFCON recently. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, 
and pass um, to the left back that went straight out of play. Uh, some of the goals he was suspect on, definitely, I think it was the third one for Senegal, where it wasn't, it was like a, a shot from a cutback uh, and didn't have much power on it. And he reacted to it very late and it just trickled yeah. into the corner. That was woeful. Um, do you do you think he's past the point of no return now, Onana? Do you think he's going to have to be written off in the summer? Yeah, that's hard. Um, that's a it's that's a fascinating. Like as a neutral, that'd be fascinating to watch um, the football and department address that that issue. Do you give him time if a new manager comes in? Do you stick with him if Eric Tenag stays there? Do you cancel his? Who knows? It's a fascinating issue. Just my hunch on Onana. Look, I was a big fan of David De Gea. While I could see an argument to move De Gea on and move forward with the times of football, I accepted that and I could see it. And if someone wanted to say that, I don't think they were wrong. I just thought with the issues we're currently facing um, ahead of this season, I did think the goalkeeper wasn't one of them. I thought, okay, it might be somewhere you can improve, of course, but you can improve every area of the pitch. I didn't see it as a huge priority. I thought the clips and social media treatment of David De Gea was over the top, and I thought that contributed a lot to the narrative around David De Gea. I don't think it was as bad. He wasn't upstanded, of course, so he needed to improve. No shine away from that, but he wasn't as bad as many people made out. I thought he was solid enough. Again, to where Manchester United want to be, maybe not, but but he wasn't a disaster as, as Twitter would, would would make out. On Onana, it's one of those ones. No one backs players more than me and gives them more, more patience than me. So I will back him. I will show patience, and there is obviously ability. There's obviously a goalkeeper somewhere there. I just I just don't see it. I, I, I just think it'll be one of those ones we look back in ten years' time. God, you remember when we brought Onana in? What a disaster that was! As was was with Taibi, as with Roy Carroll, Mark Bosnich, Fabian Barthez. I just think look. Not many, not many players, unfortunately, are cut out to be Manchester United goalkeeper. He might be brilliant somewhere else, so, as he sort of shown, as he has shown he can be. So, um, I've got faith in him. It, oh, no, actually, I wouldn't say I've got faith in him. I've got patience, and uh, we'll back him. But um, my gut feeling, which um, I don't, I'm not sure if usually right or wrong, just says no. I don't think it'll work. Now, does that mean selling this season? M- maybe the the perfect goalkeeper. Let's say Onana's not going to work out, and he's not the goalkeeper. Is the goalkeeper that will work? Is he available? So do you sell Onana and bring him in? Like if he's not ready, like it's a tricky situation. I'm not saying just sell him because I don't think he's good enough, but it is definitely an issue. Um, the football department is going to have to look at because it's not working. Yeah, mentally, I don't think he's up for it. Um, he's kind of our Claudio Bravo, um, except he costs forty three million pounds and. I'm sure he's on a decent wage and it's going to be hard to shift him after just one season. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see how any of us deal with that situation. Um, now, I think we do have a chance to get further up the table if we get uh, the Martinez from last season and the Casemiro from last season. Which, um, definitely with Casemiro, it's a big if. Um, Martinez will help us get further up the pitch, I think, um, help us play more of a high line and his distribution from the back is one of the best in the world. So that might help us get into a rubber league spot, but I think it's going to be a hell of a challenge for us to get into the top four now because we're so far behind. We can't even afford to drop any more points and we know that we will. Um, and scoring goals is definitely a problem. Um, we've seen the return of Ivan Tony last night. He took yeah. 19 minutes of his first game to score more goals than Anthony this season. Um, Anthony been another disaster signing, and he cost 86 million pounds. I can't if we bring in a new coach in the summer. I don't think he's going to keep Anthony. Um, 
probably won't keep a nana either. These 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 are fast becoming write offs. Um, and the, the blame, unfortunately, is going to lie with Artin Hag, given he he uh, managed these players before at Ajax. Um, but across the front, we have struggled to score goals. I think Martial has one goal. He's now uh, cried off completely. It, it seems that every time there's a transfer window, he's injured or he's ill. Um, he's just going to see out his deal now. Um, he might not even play again. Um, Hoyland, obviously, young lad. Um, he's he's finally become our top scorer, but he's only got two in, in the league. I didn't expect him to score twenty league goals this season, but I hope that he'd have more than two by this stage. And I know he's missed chances himself, and he hasn't been helped by the service. Rashford, massive drop off this season. Thirty last season, only sitting on four, and we're over halfway now this season. Um, Garnacho has probably been the the star of the show when it comes to the forwards. Um, he's definitely gone up a couple of levels. We've now discovered that um, the right wing may be his position. Um, but overall, we're, we're not getting many goals from our forwards uh, this season. I think we've only scored 24 in the league and conceded 29. Pretty abysmal stats, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> it's... um. I've almost made a sort of a bit of a pact with myself not to look at the table. Um, I don't want to see how many points we are off top four because it'll give you that little bit, little bit of hope. If like Newcastle or Tottenham drop points and then suddenly we win, it gets, or maybe if we sort of get a bit, bit of momentum, maybe we can sort of creep back into it, then you'll be disappointed in two or three weeks' time. So I'm not looking at the table and I can just only imagine what our goal... I don't know if the goal difference, that, that's been a disaster the last couple of years, it seems, in regards to trying to get into positive numbers where... You look back when we were kids, it was well, plus 60, plus 70, plus 80 in regards to our goal difference, and um, that's, that's not the case. So I've tried to look away from that, but you just mentioned the overall point in regards to scoring. Yeah, it, it hasn't been. Look, football is, is a very simple game at the end of the day, complicated by idiots, and football, you need to score goals. And uh, we all made this point um, at the start of the transfer window in regards to Rasmus Hoyle in the end. So, okay, maybe he's a good player, but whether he's worth 60 million, whether he's not worth that, Manchester United should not go into a season where your number one striker is a kid who's scored a handful of goals in Serie A. And that is where you look at Harry Kane went to Bayern Munich. Uh, he looks quite comfortable there, you could say, in regards to his goal scoring form. So he can do it elsewhere at a big club. And um, ideal, let's say in 10 years' time, when our new structure resembles that of what Manchester City currently are today, well, that's when we would have brought in Rasmus Wall and Harry Kane. That isn't what um, the Blazers did allow us a couple of months ago, and uh, we're paying the price now. Um, it just mentioned no team, let alone Manchester United, that probably exemplifies the issue, but no team should go into a season looking for success at the highest level of football and your top, your number one striker has scored is a kid who scored a handful of goals in another league. Um, that's not the recipe for success, and that's what we were given, and that's um, you, we can point to, okay, that's Eric Ten Hag's plan or not, or only he will know that. I don't think it is. Uh, I think that's an easy stick to beat him with. But um, ultimately, it does look like his decision in regards to what has resulted, what we've seen on the pitch. And, um, yeah, it just hasn't worked. So, um, And that's not just Hoyle. That's Marcus Rashford. That's Anthony. That's um, the, the players in and around that, Bruno Fernandes, etc. Anthony Martial. you got to throw Mason Greenwood. He hasn't made himself available for whatever reason. So it's just... It's not good times at the moment. Fingers crossed, as I said, in regards to the overriding news of the new CEO, um, things do change in a new direction. But um, as things stand, we are paying the price for many bad decisions, not just this window, but in previous ones. 
Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that Ayrton Hag wanted Harry Kane in the summer, but United decided very early on not to pursue that, uh, given the price they were going to be quoted by Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but the argument can be made that if United did not sign Onana or Mason Mount and just spent the money on Harry Kane and kept David De Gea, we would be a better team right now. And it's hard to argue against that, isn't it? It's hard to argue. And look, one... It's something I couldn't agree with more. But then would it shock you if we were in that position and we did that and we just weren't getting the ball to Harry Kane and we'll sort of just have a nil-nil draw sort of thing? (laughs) Would we be having a better season then? Would we be saying it would be better having a better goalkeeper in terms of playing out from the back and that would create more chances for a lesser striker? I just think, I agree 100%, keep David Day and spend that money on Harry Kane and I think we are a better team. But it wouldn't shock me if we did that and Harry Kane was sitting on seven or eight goals. I just, I think until until everything is right, until everything is in the right sort of direction, and everyone is on the same path, I think no matter whatever fix we make in this area, something will be dragging it down in another area. And um, it's just, it, it's easy in hindsight to say this would work because this hasn't, and very well that might be the case. Um, we might be top of the league if Harry Kane and David Ahe were here. My gut would tell me we'd probably be in a very similar position, but we might be sort of sort of directing our frustration somewhere else. One thing I will say about Harry Kane is he's not just a number nine; he's a creative player as well. Oh, yeah, um, brilliant player! So he would have helped us you know, create more chances, I think, too. So um, he might, he might have got more goals in seven or eight. I think maybe not as many as he got at Baron, obviously, but. Um, I do think he'd be in double figures. And, and just look at some of the chances that have been missed in that centre-forward area. Um, I, definitely he would have taken those. Um, and one, one skill that Hoyland needs to work on is definitely his heading. And you know Harry Kane is a brilliant header of the ball. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, we really should have went after. And he would have want, want, wanted to remain in England if given the opportunity. Um, we, we were told by Lyle I, I thought it was nailed on, to be honest. So with no information, how am I going to have any inside information? I just thought it was nailed on for him to join United if we could stump up the cash, uh, which, is obviously, which is obviously a telling point in the discussion. But I thought it was just nailed on. England's number nine, come to Old Trafford. I just thought... Yeah, it was nailed on. And then Bayern Munich, what the hell? Why would he go to Germany? And then forfeit the Premier League goal-scoring record. To be honest, he could probably come back and do the Premier League goal-scoring record in a couple of years' time. After he's won a few trophies, I still think that is um, still within his um, capabilities. But, um, yeah, I was shocked. I was nailed on. He's going to be a Manchester United striker if he was to leave Tottenham. And um, he left, of course. <laughs> Didn't see Bayern Munich and done fair play to him. Um, he's gone there and done extremely well and looks like he'll go on and be a success. Yeah, even some of my mates who support Arsenal were saying for years that Harry Kane's got Manchester United written all over him. Yeah, um, just the club just didn't make it happen. They weren't willing to pay the money. And I mean, given the sums that they wasted on the likes of Anthony and Paul Pogba, it's amazing that they weren't willing to go to 100 million for for Harry Kane. Uh, so frustrating. But United could really do with some support up front. Uh, Martial, like I say, has cried off. Um, Hoyland totally on his own now. Um, do you think there's any there's any chance United could get a, a striker in on loan this summer or this winter again? Um, we got uh, we've got Vikers in before, we've got a Gallo in before. Mm. Um, now we're we're careful not to break any FFP rules that we've seen other clubs fall victim to. Um, so this is why we're not spending big in, in January until we're able to make you know proper sales in the summer. 
so I'm, I'm glad that we didn't get Timo Werner in. Um, we've seen him missing chances uh, against us. Um, but we really need someone, but I'm not sure who that is. And we're not really been linked with anyone at the moment. So I'm starting to think it's not going to happen. Is that how you see it, Tom? It's where I'd lean to, and not, not in regards to a preference, um, but it's where I'd lean to. I don't think anything is going to happen. And look, what we can sit here and say we don't accept the financial fair play argument in regards to the money's there. Go spend it. We'll work your way around it, make it happen. But I do I do honestly think, especially with the threat of the Premier League handing out 10-point deductions here and there, trying to obviously strengthen their case against Manchester City for down the track, I think there is a legitimate hesitancy from the clubs, especially clubs like Manchester United, um, in and around financial fair play over the next year or two. And um, I think it, it just imagine what's happening behind the scenes in regards to meetings and CEOs and new ownership and takeovers and transfer markets and everything. With such a chaotic time, I just think rushing into a, a stupid bit of business for the sake of it, I think could potentially be detrimental. If someone can come in on loan, as I agree with you, bring someone, I don't know who. Someone could say this striker, I could say this striker. I'm not sure who that answer is. If it is going to be someone, I think it is someone along the lines of a big course to Gallo, that type of signing, who you think, oh, my God, sort of what's here, but then probably comes in, turns into a bit of a cult favourite, a bit of a cult hero for a couple of weeks sort of thing. So I would like to see a lone striker come in, who that is. I'm sure everyone a couple of weeks ago was saying Benzema. Um, look, yeah, ideally, but that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. If it is, that'd be great. Even if it does come in and we say that's good, you could very well make an argument to say, well, it's not good. Like You should have got this guy instead. So I would like to see a lone striker come in. If I was a betting man... I'd don't think it'll happen. And maybe that is the right decision. <laughs> Just financially, maybe it is the right decision not to do it. I'm not sure. But um, my gut says, um, yeah, we won't get anyone, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it was Dom Chef at Sky Sports said Benzema is very unlikely because um, he's only six months into his contract out there in the Saudi Pro League. And uh, United can only afford a fraction of his wages. So there's no way six months in that a Saudi club is going to pay the majority of his wages to go and play for Manchester United for six months. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. Um, so uh, that would be an amazing signing uh, as a six-month loan deal. Um, he's been one of the best strikers in the world in the last 15 years and still got plenty left in the tank. And, and we know that he's 36, 37, but at six months, it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. But doesn't seem like it's like yeah. at the moment now um another thing that i was been i've been happy with with regard to Enios is the fact that jim radcliffe did a press conference just before the spurs game now you could never imagine joe glazer sitting doing a press conference with the english media um and he didn't say very much but he just wanted to say hello basically and introduce himself and he said once uh, they get their regulatory ratification and they can officially get their feet underneath the table. They will do a more in-depth press conference in, in mid-February. Um, and he will be able to answer questions more freely. Um, but it's great to see that uh, an owner who... And we also seen him getting selfies with a lot of the supporters after the game. Couldn't Again, you couldn't imagine Avram Glazer getting selfies with Man United fans. I mean, he'd look... Okay, a very easy win and... PR, good PR has a sort of very negative feeling amongst Manchester United fans at the moment in regards to we just sort of almost see through it. But sometimes PR makes people feel better and it is good. So it was a very easy win and I do think it comes from a place of sort of good intent. I don't think it's sort of a deceiving approach to PR, but I do think Sir Jim is doing it for the greater good and, yeah, it's something very simple. But I, I always said now we're going to have to see a lot more affirmative sort of confirmation in regards to his plans when it is fully 
sort of ratified, no pun intended, from the Premier League and he's actually in charge and can get to work, I want to see a proper press conference there with proper questions and a proper detailed plan on what's going to happen. But at the moment, with his hands tied to what he can say, a very easy win and rightfully coming out. And these people could say it's a dig at the Glazers. They haven't done it in 18 years. It's simple, like just standard practice to come in and, okay, you're going to sort of be in charge of a people's football club. You go and show them respect and put your face in front of the camera and talk to us. And um, one, okay, it's a good thing in regards to what he's saying, but also just from, as I said, like, no, manners is the word, but just a manners and respect point of view um, in regards to treating people with respect, which is what the, the, the Glazers haven't done. So Jim has done, and look, we can sit here and we say, we need three points, we need this striker, we need to get back to Champions League football, we need this, we need that style of play. Now we need to get back to sort of just common de- de- decency in regards to the core values of what Manchester United is. Maybe that might start with a, a press conference. Maybe maybe that's where the starting point is. Yeah, it's an open goal, isn't it? And, he, and he's taking it. Um, just be the complete opposite of the Glaciers and you, you'll you will get the backing of the Manchester United fans. Um, we just want owners to be transparent and talk to the talk to the media, even if it's just MUTV. We want to have access to these owners, uh, get their point of view on what their plans are. Um, and he's doing a good job of that so far. Um, it just came into my head there, we were talking about loan strikers. The best loan striker in terms of January in United's history is definitely Henrik Larsson. How we'd love to get him on loan uh, this January. He could probably still do a job and um, keeps himself in, in great shape. But uh, he was he was a magnificent loan sign, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, he actually didn't score too many goals. But, yeah, the, the feeling around him and, and his contribution, the one or two goals he did score, big goals, and obviously went on to sort of win the Premier League. So it's a far better feeling. But, um, yeah, he's the one that definitely stands out. Um, other January strikers, really, they're, they're hard to come by. Louis Saha, um, a couple of years before came here, that was obviously a permanent transfer. But it's just hard, like I say, like, rattle off the names for uh, strikers available at this window who's going to come in and score. What, what would what we need in terms of getting back to the Champions League and winning an FA Cup? You'd probably want someone to come in and score 10, 15 goals. And um, Karen Benzema, he might not do that. You put Erling Haaland in Manchester, he might not do that. Like it, It's a big ask. So I just think there's no guarantee that Harry Kane's not available. So there's no real guarantee of... Um, Sort of who's going to score those goals? So it's a tricky spot for United, and um, time will tell. We've got ten or so days left of the window. Yeah, I think Larson only got a few goals, but although he did have a magnificent goal disallowed um, that for offside, um, I, I remember that he was so. Frustrated. Oh, yeah, last one was brilliant. Uh, of course, I just remember so maybe a couple of months ago, I actually sort of look back at his numbers and geez, I thought he scored more more than that. But um. Yeah. But the partnership with Rooney, he, they just clicked right away. Um, yeah. Playing one twos like Jorgen Cole, um, I think it was the f- a third round FA Cup match against Villa was his debut, yeah. and the, the, the two of them were just on fire together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously when Tevez came in, he, he probably uh, he clicked with Rooney right away as well. They said it couldn't work; they were too similar. But how wrong the the media were on that one. Um, yeah, we really need to get someone in. I think um, someone someone decent. Um, but that's going to be hard to come by when you're in the low market in January. You really are, you're you're you're, you're scraping around, you know, and you know players are, you know, clubs are not going to give good players away uh, on loan, um, so it's it's a difficult one. You're gonna we're gonna have to get creative, um, but it doesn't look likely at the moment. But 
United made uh, Paul Robert out of the hat on, on deadline day. Um, I think Agallo was deadline day, wasn't he? Um, it was only a few yeah. days after he bought Bruno Fernandes in. Um, so you just never know. There could be a striker in the Chinese league or uh, the, the Saudi league or, or somewhere that that just needs a needs a loan. Don't know. So no, no. In one of those countries where the the league ends in November, it doesn't start again till March. Yeah, yeah. We could. But I'm really at a loss as to who it's going to be. Um, and obviously, another option is someone who's not really playing at the moment for their club, uh, like Danny Ings. <laughs> I think he's going to be moving again uh, in this window. Um, but so, someone's name will pop up, and it'll change our opinion. We'll say, "Yep, he's the man," or "He's not the man." Like something will, will happen, whether it eventuates. I think there will be a proper story out there um, in a couple of days' time. Tom will tell if it um, does come to fruition or not. There. Yeah, but like you say, there's no point in signing someone permanently um, yeah. and and putting our, you know. Uh, Look, even if even if it was a good striker and it made sense, like you could sign a thirty goal a season striker for ten million. Even I wouldn't do that now, just in regards to the situation around the manager um, and, and who's going to be in charge next season in the football department. I think any permanent transfer just stick away for now. Yeah, I I don't think Inessa want to do any permanent transfers in, in, until the summer, until they're firmly in charge and got their people uh, running the operation. Um, we certainly don't want to make any more uh, Dutch signings or players from the Dutch league, um, unless they're you know got superstar potential. And um, I was joking on Twitter the other day that uh, Jordan Henderson now fits the criteria to be a Ten Hag signing at Manchester United, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was just. Uh, being a bit, you know, funny about that's, that. But. Uh, that's scary. That's scary. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um. So our next game is Newport County. You, that should be a formality, even though it's an away game uh, at a seven thousand seater stadium. Um. And but, I mean, we're probably going to be playing one of our strongest elevens in that team because I think Shaw is going to be back. Casemiro and Martinez are going to start. And um, you expect, you know. Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho to start that game. Yeah, so they'll try and make it difficult for us. Um, they'll turn the heating off in our dressing room. Um, they'll they'll take the forks to the grass. Um, they'll, it'll be freezing conditions, and they'll put the, they'll put the boot in where they can. Um, but you you expect United to get the job done in this game. I don't see this being a giant, a giant killing game. I think United will safely get through to uh, the fifth round at the first time of asking. Yes, look, I think it'll be. I think it's gonna be tough, but look, uh, tough or not, I think United you know, sort of will sort of comfortably go through. I don't think it's gonna be these one as four or five nil, which very well could be if we score an early goal, of course. But I think it will be a tough tie, eh, whether we go stronger or weak, which we obviously will go stronger and rightly so. But um, I think it's one of those ones cup people. I think if, let's say we win two nil and it's a bit of a sort of fifty fifty battle. It's not a convincing performance. I think a lot of people will sort of go over the top of their criticisms. I'm very simple with the FA Cup. Did you progress? Yes or no? And I think that, that determines success. Now, obviously, do we do want good football, but um, I don't think we're going to get that away at Newport. Um, I don't think that's where the tide's going to turn in regards to a new style of play. For me, that one comes down to, did we get through? And I do back Man United too, but yeah, not expecting great football. I think it might be a little bit tougher than what people think. Yeah, I'm expecting maybe a 2-0 or a 3-0. I'm not expecting 5 or 6. Um, if it was at Old Trafford, yeah, I would be expecting 5 or 6. But, uh, yeah, um, how, mu- how many goals we will get might 
be determined by how early we score. If we don't, if we score like one in the first half, then it, I think it'll be two or three nil, similar to the Wigan game. But if we score very, very early, there's a yeah. there's an opportunity then to score five or six. But as long as we get through, yeah, that's the main thing. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about Newport's players or, or give you any technical analysis on Newport County. I'll leave that up to other people. Um, but Tom, thanks for coming on again as always. No, no, pleasure. As I said, United haven't ruined the weekend, uh, which is good. So it's good to come on and have a, a, a positive chat today, just in regards to, well, look, we don't know what the future holds, but um, um, positive signs, fingers crossed. Uh, go ahead and check out uh, Tom's show. It's called The United Podcast, and he's going to be live shortly with his co-host, uh, Larry. Um, so if everyone could please smash a like on the video, subscribe to the channel and get more of your thoughts in down below uh, and the link to uh, tom's show is in the description and i shall see you again next time tom oh, cheers mate pleasure you have a good one